Welcome to the Sword in the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at the Sword in the Trial today. We're glad to have you with us, and we're very excited about a conference we have coming up in January. We would love for you to come join us for that. That's going to be January 20th through the 24th. That's starting on a Wednesday with a pre-conference. We got a pre-conference with Vody Bauckham, and very excited about that. It's going to be a wonderful time together. And then it runs a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then stay around on Sunday morning. Come and worship the Lord with us at Grace Baptist Church. We're also going to have Vody preaching there Sunday morning. So we would love to have you with us. You can still register for that conference at founders.org. But you better do it quickly because it is filling up. We've had to uh, cap it once and then we're able to expand it and we're coming close to capping again. So we hope to see you here. Sunny Southwest Florida, January. Florida has been led by a wonderful governor. So we have great freedoms here. That's right. Encourage you to come and and join with us. We're also right amid our December sale here at Founders. And so you can go on to founders.org and go to our store and there's 25% off everything in there. Uh, we actually have a new book. You and I wrote a book, Strong and Courageous, Following Jesus Amid the Rise of America's New Religion. And so that is actually on a pre-pub sale. You can go there, purchase that book, grab other resources that are there in the store during the month of December. Yeah, well, today we have a wonderful uh, announcement that we've been uh, looking forward to making public for many months, and we have a couple of dear friends and brothers here to help us with that. Tom Nettles is with us from Louisville, Kentucky, and Vody Balkum is with us from Lusaka, Zambia. So welcome, brothers. We're so glad that you are willing to and able to join us today on this podcast. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. It's a, ple- it's a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, these are dear brothers, and uh, they don't need introduction to folks that are familiar with Founders, familiar with this podcast. But let me just quickly say, Tom Nettles is a retired professor, senior professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. Uh, just recently has finished a series of lectures on Baptist in the Bible, which is uh, a book that you and the late Russ Bush wrote early in the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. So he's, he did that at Southwestern, where he began his teaching career what was that tom 78 77 something like that january of 76 76 okay go back far enough. yeah well okay <laughs> well I, I i showed up in 79 so uh you know i got to see you at the I was a seasoned veteran by then what's that i oh, was yeah. a seasoned veteran yeah then. well you needed to be for the knuckleheads that were in the class <laughs> in my in my class but uh, so I got you at the early end. And then, Jared, you got to actually study under Tom kind of in the latter years of That's his right. ministry at Southern. I was near about his last um, last student to complete a dissertation with him. But I think I wrote a little too fast. And there was one guy that got to actually be <laughs> crowned the final student. I'm a little bummed about that. <laughs> And then uh, Vody, of course, is over in Lusaka. And you've been there, is it five years now, brother? Yes, sir. We clocked five years in August. And he's a founding dean of the African Christian University. And man, you guys have made massive strides. Just had your first graduate, right, in the last month. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, we, we got we got one through and um, it was it was surreal. I've, I've uh, you know, heard about institutions that, you know, they get mm. started and you know, then they bear fruit. And, but to see that happen, man, it's been incredible. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Well, that brings us to the announcement we want to make today. Uh, Vody and Tom and Jared and I 
are going to be the founding faculty of the Institute of Public Theology, which will begin to offer classes, God willing, in the fall of 2021. The Institute of Public Theology is the latest expression of the vision and work of Founders Ministries. And man, uh, we're excited about it. There's been a lot of things that have happened this year to bring it to pass, but it even goes back way beyond this year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading uh, David Wells' No Place for Truth and hearing him talk about pastors as marketers and managers and the new disablers. And uh, yeah, he just said, you know, you lose uh, a sense of the transcendent and you just fall into the procedural and you have mm-hmm. kind of this pragmatic way of approaching life and ministry. And he was relating that to what happened in American society. And I remember talking to you about that book years and years ago. And you said, when I was, I think you were finishing your dissertation, your PhD dissertation, you said that book was sitting there as like my encouragement. When I was done, I was going to be able to read that book. And I uh, went back to it recently and said, boy, we, we see what's going on right now in Western civilization. And it is a time for ministers to be trained to know how to be a pastor in the public square. We really need to know what it means that Christ Christ is above all earthly powers, that he is Lord, that he is King, that he is Savior, and really have courage to go out and to speak Mm -hmm. the truth in love. And so we're very excited about this institute. It's amazing that uh, these four men have come together to uh, be the founding faculty and excited about other faculty that's coming. And so in one sense, Founders has been doing this for a very long time. has had a, a Founders Online Study Center for some time. But we've noticed more and more really coming out of the film by what standard, seeing these ideologies yeah. that were coming upon the church and say, OK, what does it mean to stand right there and to contend for the truth in the public square? Right. And we've had people who who literally have uh, begged us if we would do something like this. And that's been happening for years, but especially in the last two years. Uh, I just answered an email two days ago uh, from a brother saying, man, what do I do? I want this is I want to be trained. I want to be helped to think about how to minister in this day in the United States. And I just don't know what to do. And, and, you know, can you help me with books or whatever uh, institutions might be out there? And, man, there are a lot of good uh, institutions. We're grateful for that. But we just feel like God has positioned us with a particular um, point of view at a particular time based on some of the things that he's taught us and enabled us to do and put out there that brings this vision to fruition. So one of the things that as, as we started developing it, and it really began in earnest, I think in, in March, and I'll spare details, but we'll get in details down the road. Uh, but from March until, I don't know, September, October or so, one of the things that kept coming to my mind is we need men who would teach in this kind of institution who are men of strong conviction mm-hmm. and who have blood mixed with their conviction. Yep. That is, they have taken a stand and it has cost them to take a stand. And so the, the two names that immediately came to my mind were Tom Nettles and Vody Balkum. And, uh, you know, I talked to both of you guys about it about the same time. Vody, I remember uh, talking to you on the phone and kind of laid it out to you briefly. I said, what, I said, what do you think about this? And you said, man, that's great. I said, would you be willing to be a founding faculty member? And I, I've got your quote written down. Absolutely. You know, so uh, <laughs> delighted to have you here. And brother, you have, uh, you've tried to live your theological convictions in situations and circumstances where it made you odd man out and it has resulted in some, uh, some consequences that have not been, uh, painless for you. So tell us a little bit about what your thinking is as we're launching this Institute, why people should be uh, concerned about it, why people should consider coming and taking classes with us. You know, there's been a struggle, um, for a long time between the academy and the church 
between the ivory tower and the pulpit. And I think, you know, as Baptists, um, we, we have a history of, um, you know, really, really fighting for the centrality of the pulpit. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that I've seen is that, you know, you can get along and be fine and not have any trouble um, when you're fighting for, you know, the pulpit and you're fighting for preaching and so on and so forth. Um, but when you start addressing issues um, that are not popular, mm. um, then, then there can be a price to pay. And I think part of that comes from the fact that we have divorced um, not necessarily the academy, but theology um, from the pulpit. And I, I think in an effort to be, um, you know, committed to evangelism and committed to preaching and committed to the local church, um, that, that we've kind of become anti-theological. Mm. And so the result of that is that there are a lot of issues out there that we're not thinking about theologically and addressing theologically and even battling out, you know, from a theological perspective. Um, and I, and I think that's, that's, that's cost us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about having the opportunity to be a part of something that isn't going to shy away from either one of those. Um, that is really going to look at the idea of the pastor theologian, mm. Um, the fact that we do need to be fiercely biblical and fiercely practical and pastoral, but at the same time, that ideas have consequences yeah. and that our theology matters and that we have to be rooted and grounded in that. So, I mean, that, that's that's kind of where I've tried to live and where I've tried to, to do my ministry and where I've gotten into the most trouble. Um, so when you asked me if I wanted to get in some more trouble, I just... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know, that I, I was underscore that, Vody, because watching you um, say the things that you have, I don't know how many years it is, you know, a long time. You, you've written stuff on the Gospel Coalition that just caused blow ups. And um, you did uh, cultural Marxism here at Founders, the Founders Conference uh, a couple of years ago, I think. And it's, you know, it's taking the word of God and applying it where it needs to be applied. And when you do that, that is the work of the pastor. That's the work of the pastoral ministry because so many people have been helped because someone had the courage to, to speak biblical truth where it needed to be spoken. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about this resistance thinking where he says, you know, if you emphasize the parts of basically Christian doctrine or the Christian gospel or scripture that are in, that are in harmony with the spirit of the age, he says, well, then you're not going to have much conflict. But he said, if you emphasize the parts of Christian truth that are contrary to the spirit of the age, then you're going to be relevant in your day and in the days to come. Like the job of the minister is to actually speak the truth where it needs to be spoken. And you've done that and you've paid a cost. And there's been so much fruit, testimony after testimony of people that have been helped to think rightly and live rightly because a man had the courage to say what needed to be said. Yeah. So, well, I mean, God, God's been, God's been gracious and, um, you know, there, there are so many areas where, you know, I am, am weak and, and frail and inadequate. Um, and I'm just grateful that in the midst of all of that, um, God's, God's kept me um, in places where he's needed me to be. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about, you know, there being a price to pay and all this. And, and, and while that's true, 
um, I think we would all agree that for us, we don't think about it like that. And that's why I, I love each one of you men, because I've seen in each one of you that same attitude that, you know, there is no woe is me. There is no, you know, all the big bad people <laughs> who say bad things about us or whatever. Um, it's just kind of, well, of course that happens. I mean, that that's what we've been promised, right? right. Um, you know, Paul tells us in, in 2 Timothy 3.12, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. Um, so, yeah, of, 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 of course that happens. It doesn't make us special. Um, nor does it make us cry and quit. Amen. Amen. You know, Tom, uh, the, the counter side to what Bodie outlined is also true. Uh, oftentimes, you know, pastors are not being as theological as we ought to be in trying to address the issues of the day. But on the other side of that, the theological work that is done in the academy very often doesn't get translated to the street. And so it's easy to become theoretical, and that's a danger, I think, always whenever we're trying to be as careful and as detailed as we can be and should be with theological issues. But that's something that, that you have uh, resisted, and I've seen it in your life, followed it in, in your ministry of teaching. I've experienced it personally in your classroom and as uh, your friend and colleague in various ministry efforts and through founders over the years. So you also have seen the same thing. You've lived your life primarily from the lectern teaching, but you've always been a churchman. You've always been someone who has been very dedicated to the local church, and you and Margaret have uh, a stellar testimony of your faithfulness wherever you have been teaching to be integral in serving the Lord in the local church. So uh, talk to us a little bit about your own experience of that, and then your thinking about how this needs to be recaptured and uh, asserted, and we need to help folks to think practically, theologically today, uh, as Vody pointed out from the pulpit, but also just from doing hard work biblically in order to, to be accurate in our ministry. Yeah. There's so many things about that, that are far beyond our ability to comprehend. And God is doing things in the world and in people's lives and in other schools and all that we don't have any idea about. I think about how I grew up this, uh, in Mississippi, my pastor was not one in which we would say, oh, he's confessional, he believes the doctrines of grace and so forth, but he believed the Bible, he loved Jesus, he believed in substitutionary atonement, uh, he believed that there were things in the world that were counter to biblical truth, and so uh, when he uh, preached, uh, he would preach just right out of the Bible. I didn't, uh, he, he was, I was coming up in high school during the days of the the uh, Elliott controversy and then the adoption of the 1963 mm -hmm. Baptist faith and message. And I can remember his preaching very strongly about the inspiration of scripture during those days. And just something as elementary as becoming convinced that the Bible is the word of God, that, that the Bible actually had, you, you can defend it. You can show that what it claims about itself, you can show its prophecies. You can show uh, how it answers questions about life that nothing else answers. And even as a, as a junior high guy and a high school guy coming up there, in a sense, even before I was converted, my mind became convinced uh, that the Bible was true. Uh, and so there's just this fundamental level, the, the impact that the pulpit makes mm. when you have a serious-minded person who understands that there are issues that are being, that are challenging issues to the faith that are being set forth. And he's willing to speak to those issues 
even at something as, as fundamental and foundational as the inspiration of scripture, that can have a tremendous impact on the persons who are hearing. And then, of course, once you're convinced that the Bible is such a book, and you begin to study it, and you see how pervasive its teachings are, and that is, we're talking about worldview, and this is one of the things that we want to emphasize in this institute, that the Bible is a book that carries you all the way from creation uh, to consummation. Mm. And it has a, has a, a, a history, something that's just really rooted and grounded in history, but by the Spirit of God, the events that are told sort of take you on a, a march, a connected march through history all the way to the Redeemer and then all the way to His judgment, so that you begin to see that that God is the one who is at work in history. God is doing history in such a way as will result in His glory. God is the one doing history so that all of His attributes will be clearly seen, and these are most clearly seen in the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. And as, as you begin to put that story together in the Bible, you develop more and more of a, of a complete worldview about, you know, what, uh, what is uh, history for? What is math for? What is literature for? Why should you learn to use words in the right way? Why should you see the entire world as something that is an expression of the intelligence and the power and the wonder of God, so that when you study science, you should study it with a way not to let it move you away from God, but let you see, to see the, the wonders and the precision and, and, and virtually the uh, sort of the indecipherable intelligence of God, because as long as we've been studying uh, the world, as long as we've been studying all of these things, we are just, we still are perplexed about how it is that that we can do these things, that we know that that uh, I'm just kind of rambling on here, but these, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's so powerful. Once you're committed to the infallibility of Scripture and you see everything is coming under the sovereignty of God, uh, it transforms the way in which you study, the, the way in which you preach, the way in which you want to talk to other people. And, and fundamental to that is that we see that God is absolutely sovereign in the thing that is most important to him and that is the glory of his son in giving his life a sacrifice for sin and his absolute success in saving the people that God the Father gave to him before the foundation of the world. And if history is the story of how God is accomplishing that, we can recognize that God is active in every single thing in history, every single thing that he has created, and it opens up the whole arena of academics and study uh, into a study of the mind of God that is focused on the same thing he focused on, and that is the gospel story of redemption. Everything else comes under that. Mm. Uh, And to the degree that we try to raise something above this reality of the redemptive work of Christ, and we compromise the redemptive work of Christ through defining of justice or anything else in terms less than that that are contained in the gospel, then we're, we're, we're in, to some degree, forsaking the whole gospel story. So that's one reason I'm excited about this, not because it's going to correct everything that's going on in other places. We have tremendous schools and tremendous teachers. And I, like I said, I just came back from Southwestern and talking with uh, people out there, very impressed with what they want to do. Uh, but we, we know that there is always room for other places that are setting these things forth and that have the specific intent of 
showing how God's glory is manifest in every aspect of what he has made from material reality to the, 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 the abstract realities of letters uh, and, and words, mm. and all of it uh, subdued to the glory of Christ in the gospel. Dr. Nettles, that's a wonderful uh, display of really what's underneath the this Institute of Public Theology. And the the timeliness of this just seems remarkable to me, how God has worked. Mm-hmm. I see something going on in the culture around us and then something going on in the Christian community that both beg for some kind of institute right. like this. The society, it's easy to see. Uh, we call it a hardened secularism in the book that we just published. But we're seeing um, this application of secular humanism in society and this kind of power politics at a whole new level boarded up buildings on election day and we're just seeing the chaos we're we're watching god really hand our our culture and our society over and then the problem is in the church you have some men who have the doctrine and they really do know but they're not engaging they they see the cost uh, of engaging and the, the courage isn't there to actually go out there and hold up that truth and say, this is God's word. This is God's world. This is, this is Christ's gospel. And then you have another group of people that do seem to want to engage, but when they engage, they're engaging without the truth. When, right. when they're engaging, sometimes that kind of uh, the public discourse idea kind of turns into like a tea party. Like you, we all put on our best and we try to go and be liked and accepted by. Or a shouting match but, where you just try to be louder than the uh-huh. other voices in the room. Yeah. yeah. But we need, we need men that are going to say, no, we are, we are confessional Christians and then have the courage to go out and speak the truth and love and say, this is, this is it. And this is your, that, that involves a whole shaping. You need good models. So right. I'm thinking of all the young ministers out there. This, um, we're shooting for a three year program. So you'll come and, um, attend the, um, Institute of Public Theology for three years. Much of that will be online training, but it will also involve, um, coming down to Cape Coral and being part of, uh, classes that are taught here in person, but men need to be shaped by the truth, have good examples and raised up to say, okay, I'm not here to try to be liked by people. Right. Um, we're looking for like a, um, book of acts kind of model. Right. You yeah. go, you stand up, you, you preach the truth, uh, doctrinally grounded and informed with courage. Um, some people uh, hate the message, hate you. Cost comes. Many believe. Many are added to their number and the word of God increases. It's our hope that that is how the Lord would bless the Institute. Yeah. And, and it's it shouldn't be uh, lost on anyone who's listening to this, watching this, that all four of us signed the statement on social justice and the gospel. And Bodie and I were involved in actually writing, framing that document. Uh, we're part of the original group that met together that conceived the idea to have such a document. And so here we are. We, we are guys that uh, early on, at least, in that effort, saw the need of it, the legitimacy of a statement like that, and have been unafraid to put our names on it. Well, that says something. That, that goes back now a little over two, two and a half years or so. But from that same impetus behind that statement, that same impetus gave rise to by what standard that we produced as founders. And so we did this documentary and uh, tried to call attention to some of the things going on in our culture and in our churches. And then from that, the Wield the Sword project that we've got going on now, we've got a couple episodes released. We got more in the uh, can that we're trying to get post-production done on so that we can get them released as well to, to 
try to teach, here's how you actually use the Word of God in your life, in your daily life, in your public life, in the church. And so this idea of an institute of public theology arises from those same concerns, confessionalism, certainly the authority and errancy of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, and the recognition, as, as Tom, you pointed out, this is God's world. And what is central to God in the world that he created is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't be afraid to affirm that gospel, to proclaim that gospel, and to make disciples of the Lord Jesus in any context. In, in the West, we're, we're facing this shifting context, and we're, you know, it's, it's a lot of discomfort for people right now. And so, again, the, some of the folks that have come to us and asked us for some resources and guidance, uh, they, they're disoriented. And we've had to work through this with our own eldership here at Grace Baptist Church. And so, man, we're practitioners of the very things that we're advocating. And to, to, to be able to work together, the four of us, with other men, I'll mention some of them in a moment, to try to provide a, a mechanism, a vehicle, this institute whereby others can be trained, challenged to think, helped in thinking practically about life and ministry from a God-centered perspective. Man, I am incredibly excited about this and delighted to have both you brothers on board. Vodi, you've been doing this in Zambia for the last five years, but it, you, you, you've got to build a, plat, a, a foundation. So you've actually been laying foundation for a lot of what you hope to see happen over the generations to come, Lord willing. We've got this foundation. We're trying to build on it here in this more specific, direct way that is very consistent with what Founders has always done, and especially these last few years. Uh, tell me just some of the things that you envision. What do you think we can do, we can offer, and uh, again, why folks should be interested in coming to take courses here? You know, I think one of the most unique and significant things about this from our perspective and from my perspective is working with brothers who are confessional um, and, and, and operating, um, you know, from that kind of standpoint and having students really see what that means um, mm -hmm. and how that impacts um, the way we think and, 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 and do theology and, you know, and, and our ecclesiology and, and our, our practical, you know, um, outgrowths of that. That's been one of the things that's been interesting for us here uh, in Zambia is operating from that kind of a perspective and recognizing that although there's some limitations that come with that, uh, there are also some tremendous blessings mm. um, that, that, that come with that as well. And I think that's another thing that people are really um, yearning for. Amen. Amen. Jared, uh, tell us a couple of the courses that uh, we already have in development that we anticipate uh, being a part of the curriculum. Yeah. When it comes to like shop talk about the courses, about what, what, I don't know how many years ago now it's been that I went through my Masters of Divinity program, but I remember going through and getting the sense that it's somewhere between 90 to 110 hours, depending on which institution you're at. And there's a really good two thirds of that that's that's really good. And then some of them just turn into church growthy kind of things, which I think are just 
influenced more by the spirit of the age. <laughs> Honestly, I just do. I'm, let, there's let me, no offense to the people. That's just the way the organization works. Let, let me tell you, I actually made a deal. And this is a long time ago. Mame Div, I had to take a course and I made a deal with the professor after the first couple of weeks. I said, look, I will write the papers. I'll turn in the assignments. Do I not, if I don't have to come and if you accept them, would, would you just give me a grade for that? And he did that. Took the deal. Yeah, Cause I, I mean, it was one of those courses. Yeah. You know, it was a church growth course. And I just said, I'm just not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what we want to do is basically cut out all of that fat out of the MDiv and we're going to be shooting for like a 60 plus rebel. What's that? Rebel. <laughs> well, look, I feel more so that today, Tom, because now I'm much older and I'm thinking life is too short. I don't have many minutes left. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nettles understands. He understands. So, you know, 60 something hours. And what we want to do is take all of that, all of that meat. We're going to take your systematic theologies. You're going to get all that. You're going to get your Old Testament, your New Testament. You're going to be getting your historical theology, your church history stuff. You're getting all of the meat, hermeneutics. Um, you know, in that sense, I'm thinking you take like a Bavink and you take like a Calvin and you take some of these heavy hitters from the Reformation. You can go back and get a little of Aquinas. And we're going to, it's going to be that kind of um, detailed, heavy lifting theological work. We're not going to lose any of the theology. Uh, but then there's going to be the public part of things. And so it, what we cut out of a traditional MDiv, we're going to put in things like cultural apologetics. And mm-hmm. Bodhi's done great work on that. Mm-hmm. Political theology. What is it going to look mm-hmm. like to to do that without becoming like a make America great again, God and country nonsense? Or the other thing, you know, this soft liberalism and evangelicalism that's unwilling to just stand on the truth of conservative principles. Uh, logic, rhetoric, public discourse, those kinds of, of um classes that's going to equip a man to know how to deal when it comes. He's going to have the theology and then he's going to have the uh, apologetic. So it's like, I've said, if you take like Bob Inc and Calvin and Schaefer and Kuiper, you know, at least those guys throw them all in a blender, throw the, throw the reformers in there who actually, you know, suffered for their convictions and then what would that come? Maybe we can throw Billy Graham in there in one sense, <laughs> you know, get all those guys, throw it in, blend them up. And then you're going to have the um, Institute of Public Theology. So, so Tom, you put in there Roger Williams and Isaac Backus, too, because they believed all the things the reformers believed, But they also recognized that this whole idea of seeking to force the conscience mm. of a person and having a, a, a church sponsored by the state was in itself a perversion and a compromise of the gospel. So you have to have that that strong worldview, reformation view, but you also have to have the reality that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. It's not the state. It's not the sword of the steel. It is the sword of the spirit that does that. And there's no one that had explored that more powerfully than, than those particular persons. So that's, uh, that's a part of what has to be in there, too, a confidence in the power of the gospel, even in the face of hostility, not mm-hmm. only from uh, the ecclesiological realm, but from the, the political realm. Right. Yeah. Tom, tell us about that. I mean, um, one of the things you and I've talked about is, is a course I think would be great or just you speaking uh, as God has taught you these things and you've studied these issues uh, for your life now of scenarios and people who have had to stand when uh, they were very alone. I mean, Athanasius, the men you just mentioned, some of the reformers, I mean, to teach history and to understand that, okay, what we're facing today that might feel a little bit uncomfortable as the the winds shift in our culture, it's really moving us closer to what has been normal for most Christians in most situations throughout the history of the world. So speak on that a little bit, if you would. That's a, that's a really an interesting statement. And I think that we are coming closer to understanding what has been true about the 
the church and true believers for centuries. And in America, we've had a unique situation of separation of church and state and liberty of conscience in which we have gloried. And, and there have been some things that have caused the church simply to become melded into the society in that. But also it's allowed a flourishing of evangelism and of teaching and all of that. And so liberty. And we, we love it. We don't want to throw it away. And we don't want to just say, hey, come on, let's have persecution. But we need to be ready if persecution does come, right. because that is exactly as voting started off. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so it may come in various forms, but uh, it will come. And it is in the study of theology and history that we can be prepared to see how people in the past have actually uh, worked toward glorifying God in a hostile world, realizing that the glory of Christ was far above anything that was of personal interest uh, to them in their own uh, comfort or on the, their own esteem. They were willing to forsake all, you know, we think of Polycarp, 80 and six years have I served him and mm -hmm. he has never failed me. How can I deny, deny my Lord who has been so good to me as, as he's facing the flames mm -hmm. there? And all he had to say was uh, Caesar is his Lord and, and, and look at the Christians and say away with the atheists. Well, he looked up at the Romans that were looking at him and pointed to him and said away with the atheists. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this just that kind of courage built upon a, uh, an existentially sort of embraced reality of the lordship of christ and his truth that has caused people to be able to do that one of the things that i was studying this past week was the the, the liberals and how uh they thought that the apostles and others around them sort of uh, adorned the work and the person of christ with something uh, more uh, gaudy and, and, and uh, more glamorous than he actually was. And if he came back and looked at those words and looked at the Nicene Creed and looked at the Chalcedonian formula, he would be appalled at what people were saying about him. And so I just, uh, he said that uh, Athanasius, he said, I, Athanasius, I don't think, this is Rauschenbusch said, I don't think Athanasius even understood Jesus Christ as a person. He was more of just a theological concept, as concept and uh, a person upon which uh, the intellect could be sort of exercised to ridiculous portions. And I'm thinking, do you even know what you're talking about? <laughs> the Nicene Creed is not just an intellectual exercise. It is a statement in the face of controversy. It is a statement in the face of the preaching of the gospel that will save sinners uh, that cost Athanasius exile five times. His life was under threat throughout his, his uh, virtually his, his whole ministry. And you're saying that he didn't consider Jesus as a person? He was willing to die for that person that he talked about was of the same essence as the Father, who for us men and for our salvation came down and was made flesh and was made man. And so a history of the development of the confessions is something that arises out of the sacrificial devotion of these persons in the church to the person of Christ and to the truthfulness of the word of God and to the gospel. Another mm -hmm. thing they said was that, that the person of Christ seems to have been developed around this this idea of some sort of a salvation from sin and, and looking at heaven and eternal life more than justice in, in the world. And so th this driving force in the person of Christ is what kind of person. Oops, we got a little technical difficulty That's there. That's exactly what it is. 
And if you throw away that, then you throw away everything you think you're gaining by the way of, of social power. If you don't have a person who is willing to die to everything in this life, then you're not going to have someone who will work strong for justice also in this life. Uh, a person who is too, uh, they say people, people can be too heavenly minded to do any earthly good. In one sense, if it's just a, just a pure sort of superficial uh, devotionalism, that may be the case. But uh, the ones who do the most earthly good are the ones who are most heavenly minded, mm. who are looking for the, the, the glorified Christ and want to serve him and are willing to, to die for him. Yeah. And in, in the history of the church that we see how these theological ideas take root in ministry and take root in the willingness to, to sacrifice so there is a anyway. I, I just I think that the approach that we want to take in this institute is uh, to show the, uh, the the change that comes in a person's mind and and the investment that a person gives to his energy once he really embraces these fundamental Christian realities that God has spoken. Good gracious, mm-hmm. what a grace! God has spoken. We have a book in which He has spoken. God has sent His Son to die for sinners. What could be more gracious than that? What could be more compelling than that? And, and if we try to think that there is something that is greater and something that is that is uh, more demanding of our energies in the reality that God has spoken and God has sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, then we simply haven't grasped the basic fundamentals of, of, of what should motivate our lives. Amen. Tom, that's... Uh... That's at the heart of what we're talking about. Vody, as, as he was talking, I was thinking of um, Gresham Machen's uh, statement about liberalism as he was fighting it in the early 20th century, that it's not a different kind of Christianity. It's a different religion altogether. And yeah. so much of what we're seeing in the critical social justice movement as it is being taken up and given religious talk, I'm, I'm saying this is a different religion altogether. And you got a book coming out on this as well. So, I mean, how would you, how would you respond to that? And again, it just shows the need for us to try to clarify and teach in accordance with this. You can't say that what Rauschenbusch and Shaler Matthews and those guys were advocating in diminishing Jesus Christ is the religion of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Or Harry Anderson, Fosdick. And, um, you're, you're absolutely right. But I think this goes back to what we were talking about before, because ultimately this is a, a theological issue. This is a worldview issue. And if we, if we gut theology and worldview uh, from our Christianity, and if we are simply governed by our emotions and, um, you know, the, the, the prevailing ideologies of the day, uh, then we will go astray. Mm. And there are a lot of people who are being carried off by every doctrine right now um, you know, because this, this social justice movement. And I think part of the problem is that that phrase is sinister, right? Um, against justice, right? Uh, so you divide the world up into people who are for justice and people who are against justice and, you know, good guys and bad guys, so on and so forth, and, and miss uh, the important theological questions that, that lay behind these things. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that is one of the immensely practical issues. But I think there's 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 another practical issue about this that that attracts me to it. And that is that, that not only is this relevant, 
but it's portable. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is what we're doing, you know, if, if you look at the, the seminary, what has become the traditional seminary, it's a behemoth and nobody can afford to do that. I mean, it just, you can't, you can't just go out tomorrow and say, I want to start Southwestern, you know, here in Fort Myers. You just, mm. you, nobody can afford to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about here is something that is very uh, practical and it's, it's, it's doable. And I think it's very important that people get that. Um, we've been talking for a while now, and I think in some good ways about the fact that the local church is the place where ministers need to be uh, trained and mentored and that the, the, the seminary is good and it's helpful and there's some things that it can do. Uh, but the idea that we've sort of separated the training of ministers and turned it into this sort of, you know, professionalism that we see today is problematic. And a lot of people talk about that, but there's very little being done about that. And so I, I think that from a practical standpoint, um, this is something that that is doable and that people can replicate, which means also it is something that is very appropriate from a missiological perspective because it's much easier to do this in different parts of the world mm-hmm. um, as well as in different parts of the country. So that's one of the things that really attracts me to it because, you know, I'm here in a place where we're trying to think about, you know, how do we do uh, quality theological education without compromise, world-class theological education without compromise in a location where it's really hard um, to get resources and to get access um, you know, to the kinds of, of, of personnel and human resources that you need to do that. Um, and so, you know, you, you've, you've been very helpful to us in being part of our permanent adjunct, you know, faculty mm-hmm. here as we're trying to do a, a similar thing here. And so I'm excited about this from um, a, a practical standpoint, because it is something that can be replicated. And, and I think it's going to be revolutionary. That's my prayer, is Amen. that not only... Uh, that this bears fruit, um, you know, amongst us, but that it is replicated and begins to bear fruit in other places and in other parts of the world as well. Amen. Amen. You know, Vody, and we've got, we've already talked about partnership with ACU and, and man, we're excited about that and, and other institutions as well that we might be able to, to yeah. uh, link up with and do certain things together with. Let's talk for just a minute. We've, we've got some other guys that have already signed on board as adjunct faculty to teach in their areas of expertise as is needed. So uh, Jared, why don't we talk about a couple of these uh, and just introduce them to folks. Uh, Dr. Mark Coppinger. Yeah. Uh, so he's retired uh, Old professor for philosophy and ethics uh, and from president, Southern Seminary. Retired president yeah, of Midwestern. president. So yeah. uh, he's wonderful. He's also a part of the Wield the Sword Project. Uh, he deals with aesthetics there, but it's going to be wonderful to have him. And then we've got Dr. James Dolezal, yeah. uh, who is just brilliant when it comes to the doctrine of God. He'll be here with us for our conference in January. And philosophical but, theology yeah. is wheelhouse. Yeah, right? it's going to be um, fantastic to have him with us, particularly as he deals into the doctrine of God. And then we see what he's dealing with there and the way that it maps on to other problems that we're having on other doctrines and on other uh, even societal issues. So, Yeah, Dr. Jim Ork, who has uh, recently taught at Boyce um, Bible College for I think about 20 years or so and now is a pastor. Uh, Jim's excited about this, teaches worldview, and he's just got a, a world of background in uh, biblical languages as well as the English language and uh, literature. Jim's a verbal artist. Jim's a writer. Jim's a poet. 
Uh, Jim is someone who can come and say how the English language or other languages, but particularly the English language can be captured to the glory of God. He just, he really understands uh, the nature of the, of the beauty of, of language. Yeah, he does. Amen. He also communicates to owls. <laughs> to owls, that's right. He you know, uh, I, was at a, I was at a men's conference with him once and he started like talking to an owl and the owl started talking back. Yeah. It was <laughs> that's, a, that's a hunting trick. So, you know, and, and look, if, if everything goes south and you just have to survive, get me to Jim Ork, okay? Because I will be able to survive with Jim. That's right. <laughs> also, we've got Chad Vegas. You know, Chad's no stranger uh, to the folks that follow Founders. And uh, man, he's a wonderful missiologist, pastor out in California, um, church planter. Yeah. Founded, really a no uh, nonsense, no nonsense missions guy. I appreciate the work that they're doing with Radius International and the way they're just going after unreached people groups. Yeah. And then um, we also have Travis Allen, who is a pastor out in Colorado. And I've just gotten to know Travis the last three, four, five years or so. Uh, he worked with John MacArthur out at uh, Grace to You. He's a former Navy SEAL, and he has taken that kind of mentality to the pastorate and man, uh, has just done a great job in this church that had a lot of needs. He went into it and the eldership that's been raised up there is doing a fantastic job. I've been able to be with them, preach there a couple of times. So these are the men that are uh, on board right now, there are others that are in the pipeline that want to be on board but have to work through some logistics uh, to make that announce before we make that announcement. But again, yep. it's the kind of men who I would want to study under. It's men of conviction and men who have blood mixed in with their conviction. So we're going to be announcing more about this. We wanted to make the formal announcement today. You can go to the website, founders.org, and you'll see a link that'll tell you a little bit more about the vision, the mission, and uh, what it is that we are anticipate doing. You can sign up to be kept in the loop as information develops on this. We hope to open registration in the spring yep. and have our first courses then begin in the fall. These will be both modular and semester courses, and so we'll be glad to work with anyone that wants to move down here to take the semester courses and we're going to make this uh, available so that students can go through the whole scope and sequence of what we have lined out so far by coming to Cape Coral twice a year. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Amen. We're so excited about this institute and the launch of it. And we thank you for your support, encouragement. We do ask you to pray, pray that we would have great wisdom as this thing gets off the ground, Amen. Uh, that we would um, be clear as we articulate the vision for it. And then uh, again, communicate with us, as Tom has said, feel free to send us a message of encouragement or any kind of inquiry you have as we begin. Yes. And let me say too, if, if you, if this, uh, fits with your thinking and God has supplied you with financial means. If you would like to support this, partner with us in this financially, we would welcome that. Love to talk to you more about what that might look like. Amen. The Institute of Public Theology soon to launch and our motto is Christ above all earthly powers.